This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, August 15th. A lot has happened since last week's podcast. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined as usual by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. And the two main things, uh, obviously, that came out of Saturday, Tyler Buckner being named the starter and the unfortunate news about Avery Davis in his sixth year suffered a uh, torn right ACL on a jet sweep, no contact, just like the way he tore his left ACL last year against uh, Navy. But let's start with Buckner being named. I think we said in the instant analysis, I don't know that we were anticipating the naming of Buckner as a starter on Saturday, but they want to get a jump on it. They want him in charge of the offense over the next three weeks. I like it most because the way it was explained by Tommy Reese was, Hey, you know, there was a, there was a moment, even though there wasn't a moment that makes a decision where you look and say, this is what we want the offense to look like. Why delay it anymore? Let's go. That That's exactly it. And there's the only surprise was that it happened to be that Saturday when we were planning on just talking to Marcus Freeman. There's no, <laughs> there's no other surprise involved here. Yeah. I like that. The, you're leaning into what you think the offense is going to be. And there's a, uh, Pretty clear message that the offense is going to be a lot different than with Tyler Buckner quarterback than it would have been with Drew Pine at quarterback. And so you want to lean into those differences over the next three weeks and get as much work as you can for a guy who's going to be making his first start at Ohio State. I, you know, I, 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 was, I wrote it, I don't know, one point about, I don't know exactly how I phrased it, but I didn't say, you know, Tyler Buckner winning the job. And, I, you know, I, I don't, did he actually win the job in camp? It, uh, it was a decision made a short time after camp started. Uh, I think both Freeman and Reese emphasized yes. that this was a, a, you know, this goes back to the summer and the spring and everything that they thought about the offense. And I think we, you know, they're going to need both. Tommy Reese said that, that, uh, that Drew Pine is important to the program and he is because he is going to be called upon, whether it's an injury or, to kind of revitalize an offense within a game setting. I think that that's going to happen. That's interesting usage, revitalize an offense within a game setting. That could happen. That's one of those things where, and I'm not pointing to Ohio State. I'm thinking more like when there's some more tape on Buckner and they run into a decent team on the road, things aren't going right. You're like, yeah, maybe we'll just pull back for a minute here. And then, but it's still Buckner's job. I like that. That is a great way of using Drew Pine and the best Example of how we said he is a relief pitcher and he could be a relief pitcher. You hope that doesn't as long as you can put the starter back in. No, yeah, but <laughs> why not? You can put the starter back in. This is that's you, it's kind of like Drew Pine could definitely like when Drew Pine went into Wisconsin, that was great. If Drew Pine never had to go back in for Cincinnati, it would have been better if Jack Cohn was playing really well that day or if Tyler Buckner didn't have the pick. You know, that would have been it was it was suboptimal, even though he was like the emergency MVP of Wisconsin that he ever had to come back in against Cincinnati. I think you just, I mean, you got to be prepared for Tyler Buckner to yeah. tweak an ankle or pull oh, a hamstring. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that's more where Drew Pine is going to be called on. It's going to be injury related, not like, ooh, we need a spark related. No, well, I feel I, like that's I, a guarantee. I'm not, I'm saying Tim's the first guy I've heard say reset the offense. That's a unique way of looking at it. I bet. Yeah. And I'm happen. sure, look, I, I, I realize that they're not going into this thinking in those terms. Right. But it's a long season. He's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. If you have to do it, you do it. I mean, I, there's no reason why you can't, you know, get a spark from the guy off the bench, but you know who your starter is. That, that's all I'm saying there. And I, and I know that they don't want to, I mean, the last thing that they want to do against Ohio state is have to insert drew pine. I mean, I guess it'd be worse if it was a Tyler Buckner injury, but to have to insert drew pine in Ohio stadium 
uh, because Buckner's struggling. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. And as a first time starter, um, you know, that, that could very well happen. I'm sure that that's not the plan. The Davis injury, um, obviously is so unfortunate for him. And the kid is, the kid has made every imaginable sacrifice for the, yeah. the program. He's been, he's been incredible. We've already got the question. Will he, could he come back next year? He, he could, but I know, no, no uh, football player in the history of Notre Dame. That's not from South Bend has wanted to spend seven years in South Bend. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't anticipate that happening. But I wrote a story this morning, Tim. You covered it in a notebook uh, following Saturday's press conferences. Just some of the things that they can do to compensate for the loss of Davis. And I guess it starts with the possibility of shifting some players from another position. Tim, I think the point you made about Avery Davis sacrificing in every way for the team maybe should be brought up when you have these conversations. If you have a conversation with Xavier Watt, or Jaden Bellamy, or as you wrote today, Philip Riley, like, I don't know if it's ideal for your career or not, but I think it's pretty darn important for our team that one of you is back there right now. And I have no, I, Philip, I have, I have no inkling that that's going to happen, but he's a third team. He's the third team cornerback. And I realize he's still, you know, very young. He's a redshirt freshman, but I don't think they would want to move Ramon Henderson. I think he's closer to being the type of safety they want than a Xavier Watts. Yeah. Cause of the, the help you know, air quotes, help you're getting at receivers for practice, not for yep, games. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. There's nobody you can move. Right. It's going to help you on a Saturday. Oh, well, only only Watts, because he does have a, a, a strong background in it at Notre Dame with Tommy Reese as the, the offensive coordinator, new, new receiver coach. But even there, I mean, yeah. even there, it would be a transition back. And he, he, it wasn't like he blew them away when he was playing receivers. So there would be a lot to learn there. So, um, you know, the other things that you, Obviously, you have to really tap into the tight ends. Uh, we've seen a lot of activity for the freshman tight ends with the big boys through the first week. Eli Raritan and Holden Stays have been getting reps. Uh, I don't know how many first team, but certainly second team reps. And you have to get them more involved. This is really going to tap into Tommy Reese's creativity as an offensive coordinator. And I think if there's any coordinator that you you know, that has to tap into that. I'm pretty confident in Tommy Reese, but you know, the bottom line is he doesn't have all the weapons uh, at his disposal that they would have had even, you know, just with Avery Davis included. Yeah. I mean, he said on Saturday that they had enough offensive firepower, I think. Yeah. Offensively, we've got enough talent is what he said. Um, right. I don't, some days I agree. Some days I don't. Well, I think that there, there, there might be a little coach speaking that, I mean, you know, you're just, you're, well, I mean, you're, you're you, trying to express confidence in your troops and you have enough yeah. offensive firepower for one game when nobody else is hurt. That's what he's saying. I mean, right. That you can't, you, just because we know in the next four months, another receiver is getting hurt. doesn't mean Tommy Reese has to think about it in the first press conference without Avery Davis. Right. The one issue I have, and Tim, I read, it was a very well done uh, column. I think Tommy Reese was do had to do all these things anyway before Avery Davis got hurt. He had to tap into the tight ends of the running backs because yep. he didn't he yep. didn't have enough wide receivers anyway. Yep. Throw, put Avery Davis on the team. There's not enough wide receivers. So that means all right, right now they have Lindsey Styles Thomas with reserves, and this is a difference, Tobias Merriweather and Matt Salerno. Maybe Joe Wilkins or Deion Colsey will play. But if they don't, they have five. If you just said, All right, they have Avery Davis with those guys. 
you would never think Salerno was part of the deal anyway. So you're still using tight ends and running backs. Like they are now it is just, you have to pray Matt Salerno doesn't get hurt. Well, and, and he was, he was, yeah, you're right. You do. Was, you don't have, no. you can't have four receivers was, for the game. <laughs> he was already in their plans in the slot. Yes. Now how yep. extensive that remains to be seen, but he was always in their plans because he can line up in the slot and turn out to his right and he'll be open in the flat and he get him the ball. I mean, right. it's not, it, it, I mean, some of that isn't rocket science. You can get him the football. I don't know that he's going to, you know, you'd like to think that he's Chris Fink like, but he's not that good. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he's that good. Yeah. But he's, he's better than the guy that they don't have. Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, like I started I people this- count this, right? Like people are like, Oh, Joe Wilkins will be back. And Coles will be back. I don't know. Maybe probably they will. Hopefully it's great. Joe Wilkins is the best news at camp for the wide receivers because we thought he was out until mid October. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a and great I, job. by him. I mean, but- I, 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 I do think that he is as close as was indicated because of what I've seen on the practice field the last couple of times. I mean, he is in uniform. He is running sprints across the back of the end zone at full speed. I know that that's not, you know, that's not contact and all of that, but it looks to me like he's been gearing up to be ready to, to, to be full goal here at, at some point there, you know, tw- 19 days and counting now. Um, and again, you know, we said it in the instant analysis after practice there, it's not like Joe Wilkins, is going to be a, a physical different or be able to make a difference with his athleticism um, because he is what he is. But you, especially when you lose Avery Davis and his leadership, you need a guy like that, a fifth year senior, to be on the field for you. Uh, this is just where things are. We're talking about the sort of indispensability of Chris Salerno and a fifth year senior with 11 career catches for 124 yards. Yeah. I mean, you go like, down. I just, mean, this you, you is the reality of wide receiver roster management for Notre you're, Dame right now. You're counting on Colsey. You're counting on, you know, Merriweather. I mean, these guys don't. And you're don't... counting on Colsey, who is missing, let's just say, a couple weeks of camp. And he was behind Thomas and not pressing Thomas to start anyway. So he was not. It's right. not like, oh, my gosh, they lost Deion Colsey. It's, oh, my gosh, they lost a backup wide receiver right, right. that they needed. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, mean Colsey exactly. can't all of a sudden be really good. It's just that he wasn't or he wasn't having a tremendous camp. Well, Otherwise, we'd he, heard about it. Yeah, he has got to turn it up. And, you know, again, uh, Marcus Freeman made it sound like, well, he said he'd be back. Did he say soon? I, we don't know what he soon means. Soon. Yeah, yeah. You know, but a, but a, a, a PCL, um, again, you don't hear PCL very often, but I think guys bounce back from that a little bit more quickly. Uh, let's conclude this section. Um with a little bit of talk about Keon Keeley, because it certainly looks like and now that Tom Loy uh, from 24-7 Sports has indicated that he, he thinks he's going to end up at Alabama, whether he's already verbally decommitted from Notre Dame and committed to Alabama, it doesn't really matter. But it looks like uh, it looks like the crown jewel of Notre Dame's class of 2023 is uh, not going to be part of the Notre Dame organization. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um December is still three months away. True, but uh, true. Yeah, he's not going to be part of it in August. Is the best. I don't think yeah. if if you verbally commit to Nick Saban, <laughs> that decommitting from him, that conversation is a little bit more difficult. I don't know. After after Alabama's seven and five backslide, you think Keeley might? Yeah, you think go so? Ahead and do that. Yep. It's unfortunate. It is the crown jewel, and I will contend no matter what anybody says <laughs> that. 
there's a reason we talk about Notre Dame contending this year, and it's not because they have a one good safety in Brandon Joseph. It's because they're defensive linemen, and Keon Cayley was going to keep that all going and maybe augment it. So still be great to get Peyton Bowen. Notre Dame needs better safeties. They've recruited the position poorly outside of about three people for 14 years. So it would be great if they can get uh, Peyton Bowen and keep him in the fold. Yeah, just, I mean, the the statistics about the ability to contend for national championships without five-star prospects are pretty alarming. Uh, Keon Keeley is a five-star prospect, so it's sort of, it knocks Notre Dame down quite a bit. Um, it's, you know, it's the position, the impact, but also just sort of like the look. Notre Dame is, uh, for how much recruiting has been on the uptick, um, until you can start getting some some five-star guys to say, yes, that's a place I want to go. It's, it's very difficult to, to beat the teams where those five-star guys are going. This segment of Irish Illustrated Insider has been brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two, the, two ways to win and no rake, Circa Sports million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circa Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale presented by Do Dublin Tours. Visit dodublin.ie to book your tour today. There was a period of time in the 19th century in Ireland known as the Golden Era. At its peak, Irish whiskey accounted for 60% of the whiskey sold all over the world. Irish whiskey sales sadly declined for a number of reasons. The introduction of mass production in other countries, using more advanced technologies that the Irish were reluctant to use, along with the War of Independence and Prohibition in the US. The Irish were reluctant to speed up the process, opting for quality over quantity. As a result, the last distillery in Dublin closed in 1976. If you'd like to know more, do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. This is Burning Up the Board, segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Greg Bell. Many were calling for Notre Dame to take a wide receiver or two out of the portal this spring. Do you think Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese now realize that was an unwise decision considering Davis's injury and the state of the position group? Depends on if we call it a decision or a result. Right? And they I they think wanted that's... wide receivers. They yeah. didn't get them. The result is horrid. I think it might have been unwise that they didn't expand further than the four or five that were considered. They're, right? they're to the point where just anybody would have helped. Yeah. Like almost literally anybody um, just to make practice work. And I think we, I don't, we mentioned this in the first segment, like whoever they moved there or whoever they took in the transfer portal, like wouldn't necessarily even have to help you on Saturday. You just need somebody to help you on Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. and Thursday. Yeah, but then, but but a player of any kind of consequence wouldn't want to walk into that situation. I mean, Harrison Wellman, I, I, he felt he had better opportunities in coming to Notre Dame. Um, Ricky Pearsall uh, from from Arizona State, and Charlie Jones from Iowa. I mean, that it, I, and Tim, I thought you put it in a good way. I mean, 
it, it wasn't so much of a, okay, we're not, we're just not going yeah. to take a receiver from the portal. It was <laughs> that they didn't, they tried and missed on the guys that they liked. And then they weren't going to take a guy that they didn't think could help them. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's the just extra when you body, have seven or eight receivers, you needed. No, I, yeah, no, I, I, I know, but it, I, I don't think to portray it as just like an oversight on Notre Dame's part is, right. is, right. is, is, is accurate somewhere in between there uh, is the reality of it. Tell you what, to put a bow on it, we talked to Marcus Freeman. We went or wondered if they needed to get a receiver in the portal. It was June twenty seventh. There's that, you know, there's there's waivers, there's all that stuff, and that ship had sailed for this year. That decision probably should have been the ship hasn't sailed yet, because you were getting so close to realizing we don't have enough bodies for practice. That would probably be the decision at that point. Like, hey, you know what? We better get a guy that has caught passes in college football before to be a reserve on our team. Well. I mean, they have enough. They don't have enough. They don't have enough. They have enough yeah. bodies for practice. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven walk-ons. All right, but if iron sharpens iron, like offensive line I and defensive totally, line says, what are we talking totally, about? Totally, totally okay. agree. <laughs> Those guys don't help your secondary. I, I, I totally agree. I just, you know, bodies for practice. They do have bodies. The bodies just aren't good enough to give them the give, like, give them yeah. their DBs the look that. Uh, that they need next Irish from a two. Will your perception of Tyler Buckner's performance this year be handicapped by the situation at receiver? For example, he threw a pick six in the Virginia tech game, but Dean Colsey, Dion Colsey did not run a great route. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I think I said in the last podcast that we're going, I know that there are going to be times where Buckner is being judged for a bad throw or air mailing something. And it will be a result of a, a missed assignment by a wide receiver. Sometimes that's obvious. Sometimes it's not as obvious from, but for the the viewing public watching it on TV, but I mean, yeah, you know, if there's one thing that Tyler Buckner needed this year was a veteran receiving core. And he doesn't, he doesn't have that. Uh, He's got a couple guys that he's going to have to lean on that have plenty of playing experience, including Lorenzo styles that, um, you know, have to really step forward and be good and stay healthy. But, he needed an older receiving core, and he does not does not have that overall. Please save this audio to run pretty much every Saturday during the season, because once the season starts, the quarterback doesn't get any break on this at all. Yeah. Um, Ian Book got shredded in 2019 when he was working with Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley instead of Miles Boykin and or Chase Claypool. The receivers make a huge, huge difference, uh, and Tyler Buckner's sort of at a little bit of a deficit there unless Lorenzo Styles is like answering the bell all 13 games. The Irish Rover. Michigan ran the ball 41 times for 291 yards and passed it 20 for 190 against Ohio State. How close to those numbers does Notre Dame have to be to win on September 3rd? This is a heck of a question, and we probably could have used it on game week, but it's still a very good question. Uh, 291 yards? I mean, I just don't see that. No, but give I me 201 yards and... 220 passing. Yeah. You know, I'm always reluctant to put a number on it. We've been through the years. That's always kind of, what do they need in order to, and I'm reluctant to do that because you know that, uh, you know, you can be right. You can have 25 yards rushing. And if somebody snaps off a 55 yard touchdown run, your overall numbers are still average, but you just scored, you know, you just scored on a big play. So, but having said that, and, but having, you know, Michigan, having had that kind of success, 
you're gonna have to run it well, man. I mean, you got to lean on your offensive line. You believe in your offensive line. You got to lean on it. I think, you know, part of it is that, that Tommy Reese can't abandon the run, even when it's not there, which they did against Oklahoma state, the last game they played. And Oh, by the way, the next game that they play is against the same defensive coordinator. So I would expect Ohio state's run defense to be significantly improved in, in some ways with, with Jim Knowles as the, as the coordinator. I think the 40 carries is probably the number that I would like latch yeah. on to the most more than whatever the yardage is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like you look at the games, Ohio state lost. It's the, whether Oregon or Michigan, that team committed to the run and they were very, very good in situational football. Um, you know, with a, a four, two fourth down stops and, and a fourth down conversion. But um yeah, the 40, 40 rushing attempts. If you told me Notre Dame had 40 rushing attempts in Columbus, I'd be like, all right, well, that's a, that was definitely a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I also would like to point out if Notre Dame rushes for 291 yards against Ohio State, they are going to beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. De- yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> most up, teams that run for 291 yeah. tend to win these games if they have anything else going yeah. on. Pete, I'm glad you point out that 40 carries. That was always a, that was always a number for Charlie Weiss. Yep. Where do you yep. suppose Charlie yep. Weiss got that from? Bill Belichick. If you can, if you're running the ball, if you, if you carry it 40 times, which I, you know, the state of the starting state of Nordings receiving core, I imagine that that's, that that's possible. But uh, yeah, if you're carrying it that much, you're controlling the ball, you're con- controlling the clock, you're taking the crowd out of the game a little bit to some extent. Um, and that would be, that would be a big help question from need a turnover. How much of Maris Leofile do you expect to see against Ohio state His pass rushing ability seems like a known, but what about his coverage skills? Can he play when Notre Dame is in a nickel set? I'm guessing he will be involved in the base defense. The weirdest I, development in camp for me is that Maris Leofau has said he's 100% and he has no restrictions and he is restricted on his way back. It's just a strange. And Marcus Freeman indicated it again the strange. other day. Yeah, it, it's an odd thing. I think I, he'll play plenty and he won't start is the way I would say it. I'd like to see him, you know, sub packages. Um, you know, I think you need Bauer and Bertrand out there on third and 11. Um, that's no, you don't. Leofau that would actually be um, criminal call right yeah, there. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, t- I think Leofau may start the season as a little bit more of a situational player, uh, which I, I think actually says probably more about Bertrand than it does about Leofau. Like people forget the whole Bertrand playing with one hand all last season. Now he has two hands. And I think that will, that'll make a difference. Cause like, you talk to people around the Google, it's like Bertrand's football IQ is just like off the charts and coaches love that. That's the guy that's reliable. That's the guy they put in the game. It would be hard to find a, a, a linebacker duo like Bertrand and, and uh, Kaiser that, that has more, uh, has a higher football IQ than those two. I mean, it's really, it's really pretty, pretty remarkable. I expect uh, Bertrand to start against Ohio state. There's no doubt that, uh, I mean, Mary Sleefile is heavily involved. The question about his coverage skills, I mean, he single-handedly changed the direction of the 2020 game at North Carolina with what he did to North Carolina's slant game. So that that's where he's at his best. Uh, nickel set. Yeah, I mean, I they're going to rotate linebackers. Bertrand needs to be on the field a lot because of his his knowledge and his presence, but Leofau needs to be on the field in those situations in order to beat Ohio State in their passing game. And we have a question about this coming up, so we'll we'll move on to training Dave. 
And here it is. What are the personnel projections for third down defense, dime, and goal line defense? Snuck up on me. Yeah, Tim, you probably, you probably have the, the whole list there. But, I mean, some of the guys that uh, there's there's absolutely no doubt that Jaden Mickey is involved in in nickel and dime. Yeah. Um, and I think Maris Leofow, there's absolutely no doubt he's involved right. in nickel and yes. dime. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Tariq Bracey, of course. Uh, and then, the you know, I mean, Brandon Joseph is on the field. Certainly Cam Hart is on the field. Uh, you know, I think Mickey's the fifth DB when you, when you go to nickel. Well, I don't know because – Fifth is Brace. Oh, you're saying you pull a safety because you Bracey, Bracey uh, Lewis, Hart, Joseph. I was I was I was thinking Mickey is the guaranteed passing nickel and or dime. You know, um, I don't know if you're pulling your starting safety and DJ Brown. Bracey's the first corner on. I mean, Bracey's the nickel. Right. Yeah, Mickey, so you, Mickey yeah. is your fourth corner, but and not maybe your yeah. but not your fifth DB because you probably don't pull DJ Brown for that. No. Uh, <sighs> You could okay. I'm, I'm I, okay. Third and seventeen. You're you're pulling. You want Mickey out there? I, I see what you're saying. Well, that'll that'll be interesting. We know that Jaden Mickey's going to be heavily involved. Over I think the you're course pulling of the season. I think. I mean, Bertrand. I think definitely Bertrand, comes absolutely off, off in nickel because Bo Bauer and Jack Kaiser have a history of playing nickel, and we're, we're already inserting Maris Leofo. What do we? Mm-hmm. How many players do we have here? Well, and <laughs> and and let me just Leo Leofo needs to be scheme sound. We we yeah. know that we know that physically he belongs out there. Uh, especially in dime, but he needs to be scheme sound. And that, you know, Tim, when you talk about, you know, why isn't he getting, you know, why, why is he say one thing and the coaches say another, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with whether he's scheme sound. And then Justin Adamiola did mention he and Foskey are starters in the sub sub packages. So as you would guess, Justin uh, yes. and Foskey are out there. Absolutely. And Mills uh, probably, I would think Mills bumps inside. <laughs> yeah. But Jason Adamiola's never come off the field in these things. So there's they have they have options and they'll play them all. I, I think yeah. there, there'll be a lot of guys yeah. playing these sets. Now, as far as goal line, uh, you know, we saw Aiden K and working in there last year. Um, I don't know if that was more preseason or whatever. I, I he's banged up, he's not ready. Um, I think a guy like Gabe Rubio is a prime candidate to be in the game in goal line situations. Thanks for Chris Smith. That's why he's yeah. here. And Chris you Smith. Absolutely. I don't think Chris Smith is giving you a lot on first and 10, but I think he's giving you a bunch on third and one. Yeah, no doubt. You mean, you mean 35 that uh, Jason Adamalolo was explaining that he wears number 65, but we call him 35 because he did 35 reps of, of 225 <laughs> yeah. bench. Howard Cross said he's the strongest football player he's ever seen. Oh my God. And Howard Cross has been around some Howard people. Cro- and Howard Cross is a pretty strong dude himself. And, he, and he's been around some guys. He yeah. talked about going to Alabama uh, with his dad for Hall of Fame induction and thinking how big these people were. He said it's the strongest guy I've ever seen. So yeah. he he can't – all it did was help. You know what? They went out there in that portal and they got a guy to help, Tim. Think about that. They had 18 defensive linemen. Yeah. That's there. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't but even have to start. No, I have to here. start. No. We would, we would play like a little to... bit. We would like to say that uh, we will be there for Thursday scrimmage, so we will come out of there and tell you – you know what, what what they're doing in sub packages and goal line, but we will not be allowed in that practice. We will be there on Friday when they are in shorts and standing <laughs> yeah, around. Let's taking, hope they're not in shorts <laughs> when they're in shorts, standing around taking instruction about what they did wrong and right the day before. So I'm not sure uh, how much of a clip, uh, and that's all. That, that's I, on purpose. I get that's that. all yeah. planned. That's all planned, and and we knew. I think we indicated several times along the way that Marcus Freeman was going to be 
uh, very careful about what he showed to the media leading up to his first first game in his first full season yeah. as head coach. Next from Marty Mahoney. What is the likelihood of Matt Salerno getting serious time in the receiver rotation this year? In the practice video Notre Dame posted, it looks like he's making some plays. He's going, I don't, I don't know if you, I'd say serious time, but he's going to play. He's going to play slot receiver. If he's open, throw him the ball, gain seven yards, go back and do it again. I mean, I, it, it's not, he, I, he's not Chris Fink, but he's a guy that he can catch a football and, 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 and give you a little bit of yardage. I think he'll, he'll be what your sixth receiver, six receiver gets In terms about of receptions. 75 snaps during the season. So yeah, that's, that's pretty realistic for Solari. six or eight, eight catches. Yeah. He has to play maybe 10. Yeah. <laughs> There's five healthy ones right now. And he's one of them. Yeah. Another hey, one is an extremely gifted Tobias Merriweather who at some point, well, there's a rookie wall you hit and you're not awesome. So you need Salerno for that day too. Yeah, you do, but you keep running Merriweather oh, out there. Of course, yeah, no, oh, of course, I mean, no doubt about it. He plays well. Yeah. You know, we've, we've heard that he can be, uh, um, uh, a little tough on himself at times, but Nord and Nordam, obviously Stucky is Stucky is attached to his hip many times in practice, but you keep running them out there and you got to play them through mistakes. It's just normally you don't do that. Uh, they don't really don't have much of a choice. Right. David Lopez five in your limited practice viewing, how much of a focus has been placed on ball security? We can, we can answer this. Yeah. Decent amount. I feel like we've seen some different drills. Like the, uh, there's the football that has like the chain attached to the tip of it. And Dylan McCall was trying to rip it out of the running backs hands. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's any more or less than it has been in the past, yeah. but it's, it's a focus as it should be for every team every year. They've opened some practices with it. So that's, we can definitely say we've seen it. We've seen certain, that's what, you know, I always joke about, Jordan Botello is going to kill you, knock the ball out of their hand. Jaden Mickey takes it seriously, tries to mug people. Benjamin Morrison was all over. Um, was it Merriweather? He was just trying to rip the ball away. It's it's good that they practice it, but I'd like to point out that Notre Dame never fumbled under uh, Autry Denson as a running backs coach, and their ball security was darn good for Brian Kelly. So let's not pretend like Marcus Freeman is the only guy that's ever paid attention to detail in a practice. While we're talking about this, we get a lot of questions about, you know, are you seeing a difference in practice, how the coaches work with, can you guys, I mean, can you guys share an opinion on that? Because, uh, you know, I think there's something like ball security. We've seen a lot of work on ball security. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know. Okay. Is Chancey Stuckey a better communicator to his players than Dell Alexander? Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's true. I think their personalities are different. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, these coaches are way better than the coaches that they had before. Because the coaches that they had before won 54 games in five years. So I'll say Harry Heastan's better than Jeff Quinn, though. Harry Heastan. <laughs> well, ha yes, Harry Heastan. <laughs> well uh, done. <laughs> is, is, I mean, uh, Quinn was vocal. They're vocal in different ways. But yeah, absolutely. We all, I mean, we all concur that Harry Heastan's a, a real quality offensive line coach. But uh, I, have, I was going to add something, but now I don't want to. That was too good. All right. I don't want to. I just don't want to. I feel like I'm making stuff up. If Dela McCullough is very say, animated, Dela McCullough is a very animated coach. It's fun to watch okay. on the sidelines. Yeah. yeah. Is he more animated than Lance Taylor? He, probably yeah, a little probably. bit. Yeah. 
doesn't mean you're better when, than you do that. Yeah, but no. I, yeah. Lance Taylor's an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, John McNulty's an offensive coordinator. Like, some of the differences are he's, good coaches. He's an animated guy. He's an animated guy that I think gets his players' attention. And it's probably really good for his small young room that they have him. That maybe that's the best way to say it. But yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I just don't want to disrespect them. I, first of all, I want to be accurate. And secondly, I don't want to disrespect a bunch of guys that did a hell of a job coaching this football team from 2017 to 2021. Jim underscore Booney CRS. How much credence do you give to the statement that Joe Wilkins will play for Notre Dame versus Ohio State? Again, we've already addressed this. I mean, I, I, I'm less skeptical than you, O'Malley. Um, Can I add one more reason why I'm skeptical? Sure. I think Notre Dame needed good news to be announced at that press conference and the great news is that joe wilkins is going to help notre dame this year so then like the over the top good news is hey i think he can play against ohio state that that's kind of how i take it you know it could be similar to brian kelly early days brian kelly when he would set extremely optimistic return timelines i think because he thought it put a positive pressure on the player to keep up with rehab and keep training and all that and i i get it um but i would say that the idea of joe wilkins playing like serious minutes against Ohio state seems, seems like kind of a reach to me. Well, we'll I, the only, the only reason that I would differentiate it from the, the scenarios that you are pointing out is that I've seen them and I've yep. seen Joe Wilkins running around on the field in a football uniform, not live, but the fact that he's in, in uniform uh, when he's not participating in yep. contact, that's true. He's just, not, he's a, not ste- it's shirt. just a step closer. And again, 19 19 days if he's if he's a step closer is a pretty decent amount of time to put a bow on it our old friend ethan johnson who had a broken foot purdue week and was limping through uh the goog and brian kelly said he expected him to play we're pretty sure he wasn't gonna play that was a lie this is not a lie this is just positive uh reinforcement Question from Teddy95. Will Davis's injury mean Tyree spends more time in the slot position, especially if Diggs continues to progress? I think that was part of the plan anyway. So maybe more time is negligible. I think Chris Tyree was going to play a lot in the slot because he wanted well, to use two running backs. I, I, a healthy Tyree and a healthy Diggs, you're gonna you're gonna see two back, yeah, two backs on the field because of well, really the versatility of both of them. I think Diggs can be a good pass catching running back Williams was the best Kyron Williams last year, but Tyree's pretty good at it too. So um, yeah, definitely. Again, it taps into the creativity of Tommy Reese. I think formationally he's as creative as anybody. And so we're going to see a little bit of everything, especially Chris Tyree. You know, we say slot. Well, I get, can you line them up? You line them out wide too. You know, you can, you can, you can do a lot of things. And I, and I, one thing I'm confident in with, with Tommy Reese is his uh, his creativity when it comes to formations. He's very, very good at that. Yeah, I guess this I don't care. Go ahead, Pete. I was just saying, when Reese says offensively, we've got enough talent. When I think like, okay, yeah, buy it, is when I think about Tyree out there with Diggs or out yeah. there with Estime yeah. and moving around. I was like, okay, then then suddenly you're like, okay, you're, you've got a chance to like do some interesting stuff here with some with some really talented guys. You're not just trying to yeah. trick somebody with a formation. You've got talent too, right? Plus, I get I, I know the crux of the question, but I don't care if Tyree lines up in the slot or in the backfield as long as he catches passes. Yeah, hey Pete, uh, Tim and I have been talking about this. H- have you seen how much have you seen Holden stays? 
like in action? Um, a lot the first day when we got the full practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but l- less the other ones. Yeah, but I haven't, we, I haven't been watching the tight ends. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I think I think you were uh, he, uh, on the speaking tour yeah, when he right when Tim and I were the other day. Uh, he put I mean, together he a made, couple practices, Pete. Oh my God, he <laughs> made he made a play downfield down the middle of the field, a contested high throw that was slightly behind him. But we again, we were a field. I was a field and a half away with Wise uh, from it, so I didn't see everything perfectly, uh, but. That kid looks pretty damn good. Yeah. When I I talked to people in the summer, I was like, who are the freshmen who have impressed? It was Merriweather one, but then it was Stays and Morrison two and three. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised at all that he's turning heads based on because he already had done it before the first practice. And we all, and Raritan, we all like Raritan. Yeah. But, but I mean, just as far as size explosiveness combination i've seen more from stays and raritan but raritan's in play certainly as well i know stays number now first time i saw him make a play i was like who the hell is that and then a second time i made a play is like is that him again and now i know holden stays number 85 downfield cmu pens fan do you think this notre dame offensive line is good enough to control the line of scrimmage versus ohio state control the line of scrimmage um at times yes yeah I do. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't really, what does control the line of scrimmage mean in a game against Ohio state? 40 40 carries. carries. That's fair enough. That's fair. That's a good 40s high. I, you know, I'll take 35 (laughs) clean, clean pockets for Tyler Buckner. Most of the time when he, when in a non-passing situation and in the occasional passing situation, like, there's a lot that goes on with this, and we forget that Ohio State did not have a typical Ohio State defense last year, but they have a lot of great football players that are going to make it's going to make it hard for Notre Dame at times. You know, and, and keep this in mind, okay? What you're talking about reminded me. I mean, blitz pickup by the running backs oh. is going to be critical, uh, you know, in in these kind of situations. Kyron Williams, not surprisingly, whatever Kyron Williams tried to do, he was pretty good at it. He was good at it. Um, you know, Diggs still has to prove that, that he can do that. He's got to use that shoulder to absorb some of that, you know, but can, how, you know, how good is Tyree going to be when he's consistently asked to be a, a protector of Tyler Butner that, uh, that remains to be seen. Next question. Go ahead, Tim. Question from Maxwell 2378, according to your calculations, how many touchdowns slash interceptions Will Tyler Buckner have this season? I've I've thrown numbers out already. And when you say uh touchdowns, include uh include the rushing touchdowns. Yes. I don't I know do. if that's what the intention of the question was, but I'm asking. Mm. No, I'm I'm concluding it too. I was uh I did it for Monday musings a few weeks ago, um, which is how certain we were he was going to start, if you're wondering. And uh I put it in the Kaiser first season realm of 31 combined touchdowns. In that area, he gets an extra game and a half over Kaiser. Um, well, we hope <laughs> it doesn't have to have an extra game and a half over Kaiser, but Kaiser's first start was game three and he played half of. Oh, I, I was going to say game two. and a half. Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah, of game two. So uh, <laughs> ideally, he'll have an extra game and a half. So I put it in the 31 range with with hitting over, uh, hitting double digits for sure, running the ball for me. For sure, healthy Tyler Buckner will run for 10 or more touchdowns. I am not, I, that's, I should double down for another, another prediction right there. 
Ian Book so, was getting nine regularly. Like Book got nine. So how many interceptions do you have him down for? I would put him at the 10 range again as well. Okay. I go 29 and 12. Yeah. I know. I know. I, if you said 12, I wouldn't blink. I agree. I, I mean, it's. I've been saying 25 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. I'm going to reduce, you know, people ask us all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, now that this happened, how do you pass. feel? I'm going to reduce the touchdown passes to 22 or 23. Uh, but I, I have to agree with you, O'Malley, on the, the the running touchdowns because when they get in the red zone, I mean, he is going to – they're going to call that number. Heck, yeah. I mean, Reese is going to call that number <laughs> a lot. QB draws, you know, from the 17, a quarterback draw that he, you know, that he sprints into the end zone on. Um, so – Jack Cohn threw 25 TDs last year. Remember that. Cohn threw 25 TDs last year, although he had a terrible line and he would have thrown more if he had a better line. Ian Book, as the first-time starter, so he was about 10 games, right? 10-game starter? Nine-game starter. He threw 19, I believe. He's like a nine-game starter for that that playoff team. He threw 19 for a playoff team. I mean, what did Wimbush throw for? It sounds like they had more than... I mean, what, Claypool had 15 of them? Oh, no, I was thinking the year before, but yeah, Clay, oh. The, oh, he threw a ton his 2019 season. Like, uh, okay. but remember, they played Bowling Green and New Mexico State. So I yes. think he had about six, seven, eight touchdown passes. There. We, so we, he threw we, over 30. We, we all mentioned this a while back. The red zone. I mean, I, you know, I don't really care what the numbers are for Tyler Buckner, but the red zone touchdown percentage. Right. Needs to be really, really good. And I think it has, it certainly has a chance to, if you can find a go-to guy at receiver in the red zone, that may be, you know, Merriweather, somebody like that, Jaden Thomas, who's got good size and strength and plays to his strength. The tight end, the tight end will catch a couple red zone passes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Him too. Yeah. Yeah. He he might be, I think Michael Mayer might be able to carve out some space in the end zone. All right. We're going to wrap up with a question from Dalla Bills. Please talk about the announcing tandem of Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. NBC recently announced this. How could such an important broadcast be filled with these two inexperienced people? So the Notre Dame broadcast is where you now learn on the job at NBC. Are we, are we, <laughs> I'm not even going to ask the question. No, I know I was gonna say, I'm, not to be a smart ass about it, but like, no, I'm not even going to say it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's not. Um, <laughs> you're, a whole, it's a whole season of learning on the job is what you're saying. It, it, yeah. I just, um, I mean, I'm not surprised because this is what I heard was 99% right. happen right. Uh, two months ago. Um, and I, I don't know if NBC has announced it. I thought just the New York Post reported it. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, you're right. You're right. But um, I'm surprised. I'm still surprised that they, that they went with kind of an inexperienced booth. Um for national broadcasts. Um, we'll see how it works out. Yeah, I could see inexperience one and then all-time sage experience next to him or something along those lines or next to her. You know, you you need – it's a strange that it's a double inexperienced booth with Jason Garrett, and I don't care about the Notre Dame connection. I mean, I, I think I'll, I'm open to listening to Jack Collinsworth do play-by-play. It's not the same thing as what he did with Corey Robinson. Um on the sideline before games, which is a very difficult watch. 
but I think it's a different situation if you're going to sit around, if he's going to sit there and you'll be studying all year long, everything that you have to be talking about if you're going to be a good play-by-play person. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jason Garrett's just, just, I just, I don't know. People like vanilla ice cream too. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think Garrett will add insight. I haven't heard him a bunch. I've seen a little bit. I didn't think he was. Awful. I like Drew Brees. I like Tony Dungy. We'll yeah. see if I like Jason Garrett. It's- I mean, we have a tendency to just pass judgment before it's happened. But I look, I don't I don't think Mike Monaco has a background in football announcing. But I think he probably lo- yeah, he would be great. I think event- I mean eventually if he wants to be. I-, I bet he likes his gig with the Red Sox and uh and so much he baseball. Does. I yeah. actually I spoke with yeah. him about it in Omaha. Yeah. Oh, good. He's, yeah, yeah. He's living he's living the dream. But to me, that's a professional announcer. I don't oh, think totally he's agree. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's done football, but people looking for professional announcers that graduated from Notre Dame. Although he's Mike Mike, Mike Monaco too. would not, I mean, I he would he certainly he'd show enthusiasm for Notre Dame, but he would call it straight because he's a pro. Yeah, that still looks like he's eighteen years old. He does. He does. <laughs> I said when I said when I knew you in college, you looked like you were twelve. Now you now you've grown up to a. To 18. <laughs> Mike Monaco worked for Irish Eyes and me for one time when I was on spring break. Had a very good, uh, yeah, very good reporting that day for. Mm. All right. Well, there's Charlie our Monaco. Weiss's, there's our Charlie Monaco Weiss's plug. He's a, yeah. he's, a, he's a he's a good he's a good announcer. He's a good kid too. Wrapping up, we uh, we are going to shortly from here. We're going to Notre Dame to talk to Chancey Stuckey and the wide receivers. The timing is good as far as interviews uh, with with Chancey Stuckey and the wide receivers. So O'Malley and I will have an instant analysis after that. Guys, thanks for joining us, and we appreciate everybody joining us for today's Irish Illustrated Insider.